This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Before we get into this week's proceedings, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we just thank you so much for being a part of this week's presentation. If you are a subscriber, thank you so much. If you're not anywhere, you get your podcasts. Search Horns 24-7. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes. Hit that follow button. Get every episode of the flagship State of Recruiting and Longhorn Blitz whenever they drop on the Horns 24-7 podcast channel. And get over to Horns 24-7, the latest and greatest in Longhorn Recruiting. Team news notes and nuggets all there for you at Horns 24-7. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Not too shabby. And the third member of our team, last but most certainly not least. He is a renaissance man, but for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he's a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you for the intro, brother, as always. Uh, guys, where do you want to start this week? Uh, we can do NFL draft. We can do portal. The, the draft's probably easier to knock out, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty yeah, simple. Yeah, it's not going to take long. It's not going to take long. All right. Yeah, we can get to the undrafted free agents. Yeah, and I don't even think we'll spend <clears> – <throat> and I, I, I like those guys. I, I wrote articles on those guys because they deserve that. They got a chance to continue their football career in the National Football League, which anybody that's ever played this game at any level, that's what you strive for. So Rod, that's why I always – I didn't text you draft weekend this weekend, but I always try to text you on draft weekend just so you remind yourself what an accomplishment it was to be pick 123 hey, I appreciate it, in man. that 2003 draft. No doubt. Uh, so there's some wide receiver numbers that I want to go through later when we talk portal stuff. Sorry, guys. I'm just trying to get my oh, stuff no, sorted no. out. Um, sorry about the draft. No no Texas draft picks. And, Rod, I said this all week. I've said this for weeks leading up to the draft. We didn't really talk about it on this show because there wasn't a whole lot of draft stuff to talk about. Set, read it, uh, wrote it on the site. Set it on Life of Tower. Longhorn fans. Get your head right for no draft picks. It's a really good possibility that it won't happen. Uh, don't feed the trolls. They'll be out looking to 360 dunk on Texas because that's what some folks, it's national college football writers, that's, that's what they want. They want the impressions. They want the the clicks and the replies. Uh, and some of you took the bait anyway. You know who you are. Some of y'all took the bait. But really the reality of it is, when Matt and I go through and calculate through pretty much from Mac Brown's first recruiting class on, and I will do it until my job no longer is required. My job no longer requires me to do it. It's why we track NFL hit rates and bust rates. And there's a strong correlation. I don't know how you feel about this. Matt and I were talking about this before you got here. 
I just feel like there's some schools, like the three that stand out to me, LSU, Miami, and believe it or not, NC State. Those three programs, regardless of whether they're 10 wins plus or like six wins, six, seven wins, those three programs tend to produce NFL draft picks. You always see them involved in the draft. Mississippi State's another one of late. Whether they're 10, 11 wins or they're six or seven, Mississippi State's going to produce draft picks. Agreed. And then, but there's some schools too, like Clemson's one. You'd look at the numbers and say, okay, Clemson's won a lot. Clemson doesn't produce as many like premium draft picks as you would think. And not to say they haven't had any because they've had some, but like not. It's not like it's Alabama, Alabama, Ohio State, State Georgia, yeah. or even LSU. Yeah. Yeah, that Bama, Georgia, or what Miami was two decades ago, like when you can just put up an absurd amount of players. USC is another good or bad USC. Their wins don't correlate to NFL draft success. USC always is going to put guys into the NFL. They got a Texas guy, Keontae Ingram, drafted. That's true. And there's some programs like you can go through and look at it. Just trust me, there's programs out there you can look at it and see that the wins don't necessarily match up to what you see on draft day. Texas is one of those programs, though. Boy, it, it matches up. You can chart like the there's that diagram where like the NFL success and the draft picks go here, and then it just they both just yeah fall off a cliff. Uh, Rod, I and I, I like when we do research, Matt. I don't know how you are with this, but I like when things are nice and symmetrical. Yeah. You got really good even data sets. Mm-hmm. So really, Max uh, run of twelve straight nine win seasons. Through this last season, you've had 12 seasons of Texas football since that run ended. So it's nice, nice little line of demarcation that we yeah. can look at. Uh, from 1998 through 2009, Texas football under Mac Brown. Rod, you won a good chunk of these games. 128 and 27. Elite. Uh, an 05 national championship, conference title in 09, played for another national title. 25 wins uh, between the 08 and 09 seasons. Rod, you guys almost played for national championship and won a conference in 2001. Uh, just an unparalleled amount of it may If you look at it, considering the era of 85 scholarships, maybe the golden era of Texas football. Uh, you got Ricky's Heisman that starts that mm-hmm. run. In that those that span of 12 seasons, Texas produced 15 first-round draft picks, so you're averaging more than one first-round draft pick a year, 31 top 100 picks. Yeah, and the crazy part about it, I wonder how many of those Mac inherited. Uh, there's a decent amount. Probably Some four or five. Ricky yeah, Will- Davis, Mike <laughs> Ricky Williams. Williams. About four or five. Well, of those. he uh, a third of yeah. those were someone Mac inherited. Quentin he, Jammer. He recruited Mike Williams. Mike Williams was a Mac Brown signee, so you give him Mike Williams. But yeah, a uh, Quentin Jammer, Ricky, Ricky. obviously, yeah. Leonard Davis, yeah. Casey Hampton, Sean Rogers. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. Like he just inherited some good. I mean, so that goes back to the point where. It doesn't always equate to wins. You still should be producing NFL draft picks. It shouldn't always have to equate to wins on the field. Right. And that's where I mean, me and Jeff were talking about, and he brought up the Miamis, the NC States, those schools. And I was like, yeah, that sort of reminds me of where the down years of the Mac era, that was sort of your baseline. You could be like an LSU. Like I was talking about how you maybe didn't live up to expectations in a year like 07 or 06, but you still – had NFL talent and were still producing like the way you would have NFL players come out of a seven and six LSU team or a Miami team. But this recent decade that Jeff's going to get to, 
it's just plummeted to where Texas isn't even – you aren't getting success and you aren't getting NFL players. You aren't even producing at the level of what some people would say, those schools that are maybe you know underperforming, but still you know they have NFL talent. Texas got to that point where we don't even have NFL talent necessarily at the levels you once did. So you had the run of 12 nine-win seasons in a row, and then in the last 12 years you've had two seasons of nine-plus wins. Uh, in that stretch, Texas as a football program, 83-67 and 67 on the field, two first-round draft picks, only 13 top 100 picks. And then on offense – it's about as yeah. putrid as you can get because you can just throw out the, you know, Roy Williams was the last time you had a first-round receiver, first time, last time you had an offensive player drafted in the first round was Vince yeah. Young, and then your linemen, you had the huge draft. Like, last couple of years have been good years for Texas. You've had a few linemen drafted because yes, there were none from 07 all the way up until, you know, you had the few that came with Connor. In this stretch of 12 drafts, Texas has not had an offensive skill player. Think about this. It's crazy. In his last 12 drafts, Texas has not had an offensive skill player drafted higher than the third round. Your well, two, your two second, up. your two second round picks on offense are Sam Cosme and Connor Williams. Yeah, that, that matches up though. Yeah, yeah. and it's what we've how seen on the field. You know, we. Yeah. I was telling Jeff whenever we started the you know idea of the bus rate, and it was at the time whenever Texas was first starting to struggle, and just sort of were wanting to look and just see the results, and if they told us something. But now a decade later, it's like so obvious that like that thing's more of an indicator than I would have ever thought it would be when you look at Texas because. With Texas in the past decade, you've just seen this plummet, and you look at the NFL skill talent, it's plummeted. And like you could look at a class like your '99 class that came in, there were some guys a decent amount of busts, but when you cancel them out with handful, multiple five, seven type of NFL players, mm-hmm. you can totally cover up those losses that yeah. come with the busts because you fill in the rest and you have those contributors. But when you get to this point that you sort of quit producing that top-end talent, you still have the same bus trader even more so, and it just it's obvious, but it is something that is a real easy way to quickly give me a baseline, look at your players on you know a spreadsheet, and be like, yeah, I don't like the way this one's trending. What's an indication that the overall ceiling for Texas development has mm-hmm. been capped? Yep. Very low. Mm-hmm. low, So low as if it's an, uh, an, NF, an NFL caliber skill player for Texas, they won't be elite enough to be considered a first or second day pick. Mm-hmm. All right. They're not, Texas hadn't had a guy in that caliber in over a decade. Right. So I think when you start looking at it like that's, or close to a decade, I should say. But that's, that's what to me it means. It means now the ceiling for Texas overall development has been capped, unfortunately. And during an era when offenses have exploded across the country, so mm-hmm. that in, when you have especially none on the offensive side, yet, the rest of the country is not only manufacturing systemically better offense, but then you have less top-end players, too. It sort of beats you on both ends, and you can see why you sort of get left in the dust for many seasons, and now you're playing from behind. This is why we do the study, and then we'll, we'll, we'll start to move on after this because I don't want to beat the dead horse when it comes to the draft. Based on the study that Matt and I did, Matt kind of coined the terms, and I just kind of took it from there. Uh, six of Mac Brown's first 11 recruiting classes, six of the first 11 recruiting classes, had NFL hit rates above 30%. 02, 03, 04, 05, 07, 08. Uh, that's how you win a national championship and play for another. 
at the end of that decade with those kind of NFL hit rates. Likewise, only two classes had a 30% or higher bust rate. Again, you want your NFL hit rate to be 30% plus. If you're doing that, that means you've done a really good job developing your talent. Likewise, if your bust rate is 30% or higher, you've had a lot of attrition and just guys that didn't pan out. Your depth might not be there. Uh, the two classes that had in those first 11 from Mac that had a 30% bust rate or higher, uh, 1999, Rod, 36% bust rate. But what cushioned it were two things. One, the amount of NFL guys in your class, mm-hmm. yourself, Corey Redding, Derek Dockery, Bob Scaife, Chris Sims, Marcus Tubbs, and the classes that followed had such high NFL hit rates. Mac was doing what Kirby Smart's doing right now. Yeah, You're just stacking out. talent on top of talent mm-hmm. on top of talent on top of talent. Yeah. Go to the 09 class. The bust rate goes up to 42.9%. Uh, that's nearly uh, half of the class. Were, just so you don't know what bust rates are, that's nearly half of the recruiting class were transfers, dismissals, and guy who simply failed to play enough to earn a letter dominated that group. Yeah. The 2008 class was the last class to feature a 30% or higher NFL hit rate. Until the 2015 class, and that sort of at a little over 33 percent dug the hole that you got in. At the same time, the following classes had absurdly high bust rates: 09, 2010, 2013, and 2016. And like we've been tracking it, the 19 class is for uh, it's over 40 percent. I forget how high it was. And now you're basically in a vicious cycle of your really high bust and attrition rates taking place right at the time of your coaching turnovers. You've had so much coaching turnover. Now you've dug yourself a really deep hole in terms of talent deficiencies because over and over again now you've essentially been living Groundhog Day. It's quick yep. In yeah. terms of your, your, never... your, yeah, your cycles of your bus rate and your cycles of your NFL hit rates. And with the revolutions that are happening, the bus rates are rising right, because mm-hmm. the transfer portal and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the NFL hit rates are dropping. Yep. And it's like, damn. And you don't have the continuity because <laughs> that's why you're screaming for continuity because you can see mm-hmm. this happens almost with any yeah. type of change. Mm-hmm. And you want to be able to survive it, and that's why we always talk about riding that wave that you get with the new hire, and you got to take advantage, get that talent yeah. in. And each time that you've seen Texas maybe do that, that coach hasn't been able to mm-hmm. outlive his talent, that yeah. group, they've all been gone. So, like, that's why the continuity is so key that it isn't necessarily if, say, Sarks isn't doing his job in four years, you don't want to keep him just for that sake. you got to make a change if you got to make a change. But you would like to see if there's, you know, a benefit of the doubt or there's a bordering on the edge, somebody given that opportunity yep. to outlive and at least, at least see – how that first class can go because you're almost guaranteeing there's going to be another hole once you have that change. Uh, let me find the bus rate for the 19 class real quick. Oh, yes. We did it last uh, week. Right? We did it last week because, but I, I think I took Jake. I went ahead and took Jake Smith out of it. 42.1 percent mm-hmm. is the bus rate for the 19 class. Yeah. Marcus Washington is in the portal. He doesn't factor into that because he played three seasons, so he'll just be in one of the contributor categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's ineligible for the NFL hit rate because he will not be an NFL pick actually produced by Texas. If he gets there at his next destination, they get credit for it. Uh, But, Rod, you brought this up several years ago, and I loved it. I love the idea, and I've really kind of – like we share ideas, and some of of y'all's ideas I just kind of take them and run with them. Rod, (laughs) one of yours has been – well, Matt's like with the bus rate, and I just kind of went beautiful mind on it and just lost my mind on it. And, Rod, one of yours I've really tried to dig into it and really keep up with it – is this idea that Texas has really kind of been a bargain bin for the NFL. And I know 
mark the Shanahan spot in your Longhorn Blitz bingo card. I know Mike Shanahan used to talk about this. I don't know if I don't know if Kyle Shanahan follows this line of thinking, but I know Mike Shanahan used to say he would look at where when talking about drafting guys or signing guys as undrafted free agents, he would look at where a guy ranked as a recruit mm. coming out of high school because if he's a highly rated recruit and, and there's still something there, he might bring him in to take a look and say, okay. Did this guy just not get coached? Was he in a bad scheme? Like, what? How, why did it not work? Yeah, Nick Casario actually is a big fan of that. He, Derek Stingley was the number one cornerback coming out of high school. Uh, Davis Mills was a number one quarterback coming Kenyon out of Green high school. Kenyon Green was a five star offensive lineman. Uh, yeah, Brevin Jordan, uh, their tight end that they got, number one tight end coming out of high school. So he's one of those guys that does deep dives, rabbit holes on prospects, and he loves guys that have been highly rated prospects pretty much. Since they were young teenagers, okay. basically, that matters to him. Yeah, no doubt. So it's good to know the coaches actually. Like I said, I heard Mike Shanahan did it. I, I didn't yeah. know if anybody else. Did I think it. a lot of coaches still do that, especially when you're looking at your undrafted free agents, because you just want to know the guys are really high ceiling. I mean, you look at a Malcolm Brown, the running back that went to the league and was a five star. Mm-hmm. You, think, you start thinking to yourself, man, nobody drafted this guy. I know he's got the athletic skill, uh, yeah. and then you just start. Why didn't you do a deeper, you know, dive on the film? It's another data point that's worth knowing because at some point this guy was the best amongst his peers in the world, and you want to be able to at least be able to look and see if that's worth tapping Marcus Johnson's the best example, right? Like track athlete in high school, top 250 recruit in the country, uh, had a great senior, kind of rose through the rankings Mm -hmm. steadily, uh, gets to Texas, not very productive because of the offense, Yep, but then goes out in pro day and kills it at pro day. So NFL teams, he suddenly becomes a priority free agent, like, okay, how did this guy not produce? Like he he should have been productive enough to be on our boards. Why is he just now getting the priority free agent category? Yeah, because mm-hmm. the NFL scouts their that their job is way too expansive and it's way too far reaching for them to do deep dives on the programs mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. in addition to the prospects. So they usually just go into the prospects. They may find out oh there was a quarterback that couldn't get him the football or oh he switched off as a coordinator. They 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 stay shallow with that. But we know and that's why, you know, I think NFL scouts actually would do, you know, would do themselves a favor actually doing more research on the background of the actual um the program itself and where it is, because oftentimes that can show you the offensive identity crisis at Texas. Mm-hmm. Man, there were so many guys that were the victims of the offensive identity crisis at Texas. Of course they can play, but there wasn't specific roles for them and they couldn't maximize them because Texas itself as a program was lost and really couldn't figure out who they wanted to be offensively. And I think that's what hurt guys like Marcus Johnson, Malcolm Brown, the running back. There are some other guys out there we're just not thinking about them. Tons yeah. of those guys, hell. That DeJay Johnson's of the world, all those guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to your point, right about Texas, so that's the idea mm-hmm. that Texas is a bargain bin for the NFL. But that's why, because uh, the development is so bad. We've now got a stretch of 12 <laughs> mm-hmm. drafts where the draft pick number is now capped because there was nobody picked this year. All those last 12 drafts, 31 draft picks over the last 12 drafts. Now, you might say, okay, that's not bad. Keep in mind what I just said. In the previous 12 drafts, Texas had 31 top 100 picks. <laughs> this is just total draft picks. That's crazy. And in this 12-draft stretch, and we'll see what happens with this group of undrafted free agents that we'll talk about in a second, in in the previous 11 drafts, not counting the 22 drafts, Texas had 30 undrafted free agents that lasted at least one year in the league. That's not – yeah. No, that's that's impressive. That's, real, that's really <laughs> impressive. Yeah. Yeah. As an undrafted free agent, I mean, that's the toughest route to make it to the league and have 30 of those guys. But like I said, it tracks because Texas has yeah. brought in high-caliber prospects, right? They brought in blue chips, four and five stars, and the issue has been the lack of development has really been the disconnect. 
And now you bring those guys through the program. Yes, they still have a very high ceiling, but by now they haven't been developed. They develop bad habits. Um, so if the NFL, which are really arrogant, cocky coaches, they're thinking to themselves, man, give me this raw material, this raw clay. I bet I'll mm-hmm. turn it into something. And sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. And that's where, like, right now, you know, you the, you have to expect opposing teams to be using this against Texas, too. It's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, yeah, Texas, you know, they say they'll put you into the league. But they'll show them. He's like, well, you know, they used to get all these guys drafted. Now they got thirty guys drafted, thirty that are undrafted, and show them how much money they make. Yeah, because they, those are the sixty guys they should have probably all been drafted and all should have probably got better contracts. But they aren't getting turned into the players that they're promising you. Now they're having to work harder to get less money as undrafted free agents, which is. A bummer for them because you're actually going to Texas normally to be developed into being those type of players. Let's look at the undrafted free agent crop real quick. Uh, guys, just tell me. I'm just going to go down the list. I'm just going off my pro day list. Uh, you guys tell me if you think yes, no, maybe, or any thoughts whatsoever on any of these undrafted free agents, their chances to make a roster, make a practice squad, whatever. Okay. Uh, Cade Brewer going to the Seattle Seahawks, signing a deal with the Seahawks. Mm. Only because the Seahawks they, love Texas tight ends. Uh, yeah, and I will say they're probably going to be running the football a lot. I, yeah. I don't know if Cade Brewer is a good enough blocker for him to make the squad, but I'm going to say no. Right now, I'm going to say no, that's not going to okay. work. Cameron, he's not skilled enough. Well, no, him. he's not skilled enough. I just <laughs> know. he's not skilled, he's got to be a great blocker. Yeah. Like, you, can't be, you can't be an NFL if you're not, you don't have any elite tool in something. Andrew Beck and Jeff Swain. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, right? They, they ain't in the league because they can run routes. They're in the league because they can block really well. They're elite at that. I, I didn't see that from Cade Brewer on the 40. I agree fully. It's just the only reason I'd give it any shot is Pete Carroll and his just ability to always focus on the run, even when you don't have a guy. Like, the way that he loves tight ends, they've had so many tight ends. They run so yeah. many multi-tight end sets. And then, like, even this year when they had a chance to go after a quarterback in the second round, they draft a running back. In the second round, so it just would fit the Carroll persona. It would, but it, Brewer isn't the yeah. ideal player. You would, but I wouldn't have thought Tyrone Soups would have lasted two years there. And Tyrone Soups is a high, I think, more of a high end agreed prospect though. Right? Talent wise, a, a hell of an intriguing project too. Exactly, because you saw him in the eighteen. We were like, okay, he can play through contact. And teams He's physical. like projects at tight ends. They always yep. have. Matter of fact, they just some. Uh, I want to say some, and some basketball player just Mark signed Vidal. a deal. Mark Vidal was with the Chiefs, with Chiefs. last year. Yeah, the was guy from, from the, the Baylor. Guy from the ba- from uh, no, the somebody Baylor. just signed this year. A college basketball player just signed like with the recent Ish. undrafted free agents. I forgot okay. who it was. I have to look it up. But yeah, but they, they've every always, year there's one or two. There's always players. one every year. Like man, we like this guy. So oh, I, Antonio Gates. And probably well, there's the always those. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. So I think that's probably that's more what it is. Yeah, Baylor uh, okay. championship guy goes from playing in the championship game to to the Chiefs. I'll, I'll yeah. tell you this: if Kate Brewer does develop a tool that helps him stick on an NFL roster, I might be more aggravated. I'd be happy for Cade, but I'd be more aggravated. Like, wow, two coaches that really talk about how much they want to use the tight ends. The NFL found something in this guy. You guys couldn't figure it out, like what his tool was. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll yeah, you know, once again, going back to the offensive identity crisis. Yeah. Um, Cameron Dicker with the Los Angeles. Craig Way's favorite team, by the way, for those not in the know. Shout out. If you can perform at the as well as a guy like Matt Gay in camp, they'll always side with the rookie because he's going to get paid less. The punting mm-hmm. thing is interesting too, Rod, because I don't think they've replaced Legatron yet, have they? They lost Johnny Hecker in free agency. Yeah, I got to go look at that. I think There's some guy named Riley Dixon. I think is their punter. I yeah. have no clue. I think Dicker stands a shot to make it in the league just because he can punt and he can kick. Okay. So even if he doesn't make it with the Rams, he might be a better punter. Honestly, and ex- exactly. 
he might be a better punter. I'm not disagreeing with that at all because he had a great year punting here at Texas last year. Um, so uh, I think he's got a shot to make it legal. Not saying it's with the Rams because I got to look at their kicker situation. I think Dicker can kick in the mm-hmm. league. And Pun if there's any type of like uh, working with Justin Tucker or whatever, somebody's going to give you the benefit of the doubt just because you're the guy that's from Texas that might be you know with Justin Tucker. Texas he has a good reputation for kickers. He now. can yeah. go name drop Justin Tucker and Phil Dawson, two guys that he talked to during the pre-draft process, and that'll probably Long ball Dixon. You talking about? <laughs> yeah, no, really. Texas got a good reputation for kickers. An old man Dawson. <laughs> whatever, hey man, whatever, whatever you can cling to for the NFL as a Texas fan, do it. Yeah. Don't let go. Derek Kerstetter, Buffalo Bills. Just because of his versatility, he's got a shot. In the NFL, man, you'd be surprised. People always talk about Adrian Phillips and why Adrian Phillips made in the league. I still remember when Coach Aquino said, he said, Rod, he can play every position in the secondary. He said, I'm not saying he's a Thorpe Award winner there, but I've never, he said, I never had a guy that can play every position in the secondary. And when he went to the league, he was like, I'm telling you, he's got a, he's got a shot. Because he can just – in a the league, they love guys that can manufacture depth and they can play a lot of positions. Yeah. Derek Kershaw can play every position on the O-line. Can he play it well? I'm not saying he can play it well, but he can play it. Yeah. <laughs> and most guys can only play one position. That manufactures a ton of depth for you. So if he can just play at a reasonably high level at one position, they would bring him on because they're like, you know what, he might be our backup this or backup that. Well, and that's where, like, that fit. It reminds me of what I heard Lyle Sinline when he talks about how he was able to fit – with the Cardinals because he was never a highly sought-after yeah. type player. But because of the high football IQ and just being a guy that understood the offense yep. and was able to fit and be malleable and work on the practice squad and get in the door and in camp and then prove that then you can be a tool that the coaches can use – and Kerstetter could maybe end up being that guy. And also, non-football analysis, he just sounds and feels like he fits with the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> I don't Derek doubt Kerstetter. that. And I'm not saying he's going to make the squad, but I, I wouldn't doubt if he makes a practice squad with them just because they love his versatility. They mm-hmm. want to see, let's coach him up. Yeah. Like, let's develop him as a center. Yes, to, yeah, whatever. Spend a yeah, year exactly. just doing nothing yeah. but snapping. Yeah. Two guys that I'm intrigued as, as practice potential practice squad guys just because of the tools. First, Derek Kerstetter, I'm sorry, Denzel Okafor signing with Jacksonville. He's got some freakish tools, man. His pro again, day, he looked good. I'll, I'll tell you the pro day measurements again, Rod. Arms, 36 and a third inch arms, mm-hmm. 86 and 38 inch wingspan. Yeah. No, no, some team going to look at it and say, you know what, man? This guy just got the raw measurables. Let me just see with some NFL coaching what his ceiling is. I saw four, there were four teams at the pro day mm-hmm. that chopped it up with him. The Jags, who ended up signing him. Yep. The Jets, Giants, and Dolphins. I Their scouts were all yeah. really intrigued just by the measurables alone. Just got he got a good chance to make a practice squad early on. No question, he can go that Calvin Anderson route really and truly. Too. And I, I, you know, I think I'm not saying he's going to be an NFL starter, but he's a guy that I could I could see them if they see enough. Say, hey, let's keep on because uh, Rod, correct me if I'm wrong. The new CBA they've expanded practice squads, right? Yes. Yes, they have. I forgot what the number is exactly. But, but they've yes, expanded him. They so, have, like, yeah. he's got a better chance than he would in, a, in, a, oh, in, a, yeah. in another year. And he's a guy that, for a, for a franchise like that, that's kind of starting over again with a new head coach, with Doug Peterson coming in after the Urban Meyer debacle, like, they probably just want to find, okay, just, can we just develop somebody? Mm-hmm. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and trust me, they are, everybody's rooting for the undrafted free agents with a high ceiling because they have the penny stock. Yep. Yeah. If you can get that guy – 
on your roster, and he's got to make the roster. If that guy can make the roster, it saves you so much money mm-hmm. in the salary cap because you got him for nothing, pretty much, literally, because he was an undrafted free agent. And those are guys giving you quality reps, and you are paying them league minimum as a rookie undrafted free agent, man. That yeah. is like I said, there's no better value in the NFL than an undrafted free agent on your roster. Yeah, when you have that coming, especially when you're sort of starting from a foundation Ugh. up the way you I mean, it allows you to give that next contract to guys like a Lawrence and a stuff like that. So yep. they're gonna be looking for as many of those guys that you can fit. And when you say that wingspan, Jeff, think about this. His wingspan is one and a half inches less than Bobon is in height. Jeez. <laughs> Bobon's seven four, and that's a seven two and three eighths wingspan. So you're wow. talking his wingspan is an uh, inch and a half away from being a Bobon in wingspan, which He's is crazy. Condor. <laughs> um, <laughs> here's another one that I think I'm thinking maybe I'm thinking practice squads not out of the realm of possibility. Brennan Schooler signing with the Patriots. He does seem like a patriot. <laughs> we all agree. <laughs> he seems like a patriot. He does. I'm I not going to lie. Like he's, I saw he's, that come down. I'm like, wow, that makes so, so much, much sense. sense. I was like, is he playing wide receiver or sure, DB? Dude. I don't know. But Bill Belichick, you never it know. It doesn't matter. He might be out there playing wide receiver. Like, he's wide receiver. Like, yeah, you know, what's Belichick. Belichick comes from that. He did it with Troy Brown. He did it with Edelman. Like, he does that with guys all the time. But from that Parcells tree where you had guys still like a Renee Thompson that were like special teams dudes, like a Larry Izzo. Mm -hmm. Belichick still believes in having one or two of those guys around. Was it Matthew Slater or something? Mm -hmm. He's still there. Yeah, he's still there. Been making (laughs) Pro Bowls on the special teams for like eight, nine years. Yeah, Yeah, dude. No, I'm with you. He loved, no, no. Brandon Schooler, honestly, he, he has a really good shot just because. He seems like a Patriot, man. He seems like a Belichickian guy. Not going to lie to you. So I think he's got a shot to make. And we, I said this before. You go watch the film. He's he's close to making some plays. He just never made. He was always yeah. really close to making plays. He was in the hole. He was, he was right in there. the hole. Like, dude, go make the play. He was always there. So I wonder with a guy like Belichick and with some NFL coaching, if Brendan Schooler, instead of being there to make the play, can actually make the play. And he's another guy that when you look at his career, starts out at Oregon. As a, as a safety, mm-hmm. then goes to receiver, receiver, then transfers to Arizona for about five minutes, and then goes to Texas where he's a receiver, mm-hmm. and then flips over to defense. That's what I'm saying. I wonder what Belichick is going to play him. I know it sounds crazy, but Belichick might be like, "Nah, yeah. excellent. Yeah. I got a receiver and a cheap." He's like, I have no idea what Belichick is thinking, but I I, I know he's going to like Brendan Schooler because those are the two guys. I'll, I'll get to the other, the last one here in a second. But those are the two guys, and when we get to training camps, I'll be tracking to see if there's any reports coming out about those two guys specifically, Denzel Okafor. Yeah. And Brennan School. This undrafted free agent class has got a good shot. They got some enough versatility and tools. enough overall, like just a high ce- higher ceilings. Yeah, just some tools, guys. some really intriguing yeah, tools. Raw, yeah, raw like Schooler, I go back to his pro day rod. Uh, yeah, came in a, a hair under six two two oh three. He can run, run. Uh, thirty seven and a half inch vert. Ten oh, white man broad, can jump. Ten eight broad jump. Sixteen reps on the bench. Four four one on the forty. I was like, he can run. Yeah, I was actually surprised at his pro day times. I didn't think he would test so well. And then we got Josh Thompson uh, signing with the Jaguars. Also tested well. Uh, I mean, he's got some raw materials too. I, he, once again, I, I feel like this is the word of the day. His versatility is going to help him. He's got to mm-hmm. play corner, play nickel, play safety for you if you need that. He can play any position in the secondary. When Adrian Phillips was able to you know, make it into the NFL as an undrafted free agent, that was a big part of it. He's also a guy that has that type of position flexibility. And getting back to, Rod, what kept you in the league for a little bit, go back to Josh Thompson's freshman year. He was a really good gunner 
from Michael Dixon, that Ray Guy Award year. Yeah, great point. No, no, that is, that's still a position in the NFL on special teams that is Mm. highly coveted because it's field position. You get a really good punter, and then you get some really good gunners. Oh, man, you can gain 10, 12 more yards of field position Mm -hmm. per punt, something like that, depending on how good your punter is. Now, I I totally agree with that. That can actually hold some value. Hey, real quick, can we do like a football theory conversation real quick? Mm -hmm. For you as a DB, as a gunner, like how different was it for you where, I guess uh, how much of that correlates, but you're just kind of on the opposite side. Now you're working on, I can't get pressed. I got to make sure this guy doesn't get his hands on me. I got to get his hands off, and I got to get a release and get down the field. Yeah. Or you, as a, as, a, as a corner, you've been directly on that other side. Now the role is flipped for you. Yeah, I think it helps you because you know the technique they're trying to implement. And I played the hold-up guy on the punt on the punt return team all the time, too. Okay. I was always that guy. So you know the technique, so that helps you a little bit. I will say it's a bit, it's a bit awkward sometimes. Um, but man, it is that's one of the hardest damn jobs in football when you got two elite athletes across from you and then your coach is basically telling you like beat them. And, and he's like, How? And just beat them. Come up with a plan yeah. and beat them. You wanna split them? You wanna you wanna go around them? You want to give them the okey-doke and then go underneath, but you always got to get back to, I'm going to give you a spot you need to be at. When you're 30, 40 yards downfield, you need to be at this spot. But you can get there however the hell you want to because everybody's different. Everybody, some guys are faster. Some guys yeah. are a little bit more savvy. Everybody's going to have a different way of getting there. So for me, usually I'm going. I was going to try to beat you to the outside. Like that's just That was just me. It depends on where they was punting, but most of the time I would try to beat a guy to the outside. And if I couldn't get to the outside and I knew – I'm gonna I'm gonna try to split, because most guys weren't disciplined enough to follow that hip, right? That inside hip of that mm-hmm. outside DB. So if I if I if I if I push him hard enough, hell man, there's gonna be a sliver. That's gonna be a sliver of daylight right there. Yeah. I can cut it back on him. So you're almost like a running back. You gotta cut back at that point. I'm going hard outside and I'm cutting back uh, hard inside, and I'm trying to split those guys. And hell, sometimes it did not work. I assure you, it was a bad move. And right. I ended up like balls hard, like two guys getting shot by one guy. Like, oh no! And oh, the coach was like, "Yeah, that was a bad move, baby." Yeah. Uh, but sometimes it was beautiful, and it worked out well. You just got to have a plan. The point yeah. is, you go up there without a plan, you are screwed. You got a plan, you got a you got a chance of getting getting off clean. What mm. I like about the gunner jammer dynamic too is usually it's like the number five or six wide receiver and like your fourth or fifth corner, right, if you have a couple bad reps on Sunday afternoon, you might not have a job Tuesday morning. Oh, no, you'd be done. Yeah, yeah. You, you better – I mean, you can't afford to have a bad that's game those, that's, at Gunner. It's a, jam, yeah, you cannot – nope. You, you have bad rep, one bad rep, that's okay. Everybody has bad reps. You better you better make sure you come back strong the next time because you are easily replaceable. That's why you said those battles, why those battles are so intense. Oh, it's those, guys, are ten, those are guys battling for jobs. You're at the bottom of the food chain. You're at the bottom of that roster, man. Any day they, they could come out there with a garbage bag <laughs> asking yeah. for your key card. I heard a great story <laughs> this week from Austin Eckler talking about because he was able to make it in the league. It's crazy. And you brought up that running back move that you made as a gunner oh, when man. you're splitting those two guys. It's crazy. Austin Eckler wouldn't be in the NFL if he hadn't proven how good of a tackler he was in one of the last. It was he said it was his rookie year. He was an undrafted free agent, had no shot at being a running back or anything. But 
was able to get on the punt teams and was in at Gunner, and the guy ahead of him got hurt, so it's the last preseason game. Uh-huh. And he was like, I get to show myself. And he went out and made two amazing tackles. Open he said field. open field yep. and was able to show his skills that the coaches actually let him stay on as a practice squad guy, as a Gunner. And like you now he's turned himself into one of the best running backs in football. Yeah. And he was just a guy out of, I think it was northern Colorado, never thought he was going to make it. And he says, like, I wouldn't make it in the NFL if I didn't show my skills of tackling in the open field skills. He never would be showcasing or even thinking to practice if he hadn't done that. What's one of the toughest five skills in football? Open field. Open field tackling. Of elite athletes. Just shows what you can do. Some defenders out there just still can't do it. If that guy can do it, he's got it. Some guys have a natural knack for it. And I will say this about practice squad. It it does allow you, because I was on the practice squad multiple times, it does allow for the ultimate – um, investment in development. It is amazing. I mean, you basically, all you do is practice, right? You don't have to travel with the team. You you can go to the games, but you don't have to go to the games. You can just go to the game and sit in the stands, go to the game and sit on the sidelines. If you want to observe, right? You mm-hmm. want to observe and say, no, I want to I want to actually know what's going on. I want to be able to look at the coverages and look and see see the adjustments, talk about the adjustments. You can do that too, all right? Or if you don't, you know, say you don't want to be a part of that because you get too anxious mm-hmm. being on sideline and not being able to play, right? It makes you makes you depressed. You don't want to do like that. Oh, coach, I ain't really about that, man. I, I, it makes me a little sad to be on the sideline and not be able to contribute to my team. They get that. So mm-hmm. it, it allows so much flexibility because they're not really concerned about you contributing to the team at that time. But then the development during the week is so great because you basically just going up and see us. You're the scout team. All right, for all the starters, you go up against the yep. big dogs all the time, yep. right? With the look teams and everything, like you, you are the scouts. How Quandre made it with the oh, with man. the Lions because Matt yeah, Stafford is, said how great he it is was. Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Right, you go up against the starting quarters. Like, probably like, man, this dude is giving me some trouble. <laughs> that's it how is, Diggs made it. It is the ultimate investment in development, and if you, that's why the NFL is so much better because you're doing that all damn day long, and after that, you can go watch film, do what you want to do. It, it, it really does kind of uh, knock out a lot of the outside noise and distractions for players who need to focus on development. And then it expedites that development because that's all you're doing. Like I think about Sam Cosme at Texas. Sam Cosme was the year before the four-game redshirt rule became a thing. He, Sam Cosme was actually really might be the last guy that a staff could look at and say, you're going to redshirt, you're not going to be on the travel squad, Mm-mm. you're going to yep. be on the scout team, and – you know, Friday morning when everybody's packing up heading downtown, you're going to stay here with the strength coaches and get a lift. Yep. The red shirt. That's basically yeah. what it is. It's yeah. red shirt. And it, you know what? I think in retrospect, a lot of guys are like, yeah, I probably could have used the red shirt. I probably would have been a better player. Yeah, you would probably would have been a better player. You remember, sure? There are prodigies, yeah. of course, that exist. But for the most part, man, a year where football's a sport where you practice more and you play and you just get to practice and get better every, every day. And your confidence grows because you're going up against the best players. And then you're going to make your share of plays up against the, the big dogs, mm-hmm. and your confidence is going to grow and grow. So I, I, I actually love the practice squad. Yep. It and really was one of the best In addition to redshirting, that you're so valuable because you actually grow into your man body. And called not every player is a prodigy freak. Very true. And there's a big difference between being in a strength program for a year. or not. I mean, Earl Thomas is like the best example I can think of at Texas because he was just a small athlete that I came in. Nobody Earl, even knew what in. would happen. Yeah. And then he's a guy that redshirted. You don't even know that. Then in first day of camp, they're like, "Oh yeah, these two freshmen are gonna be starting at safety." And it's like, seriously? Yeah. It's like, "Oh yeah, him and Gideon are gonna be at it's, safety." It's, co- like, it's cosmic for me just because of that position. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Oh no. Remember, like he, they came out and he played pretty much like from the second quarter on in that Maryland game. And it's like, dude, I, 
I think they found them a tackle. Yeah. I think they just developed a tackle. They just developed one. It's like, oh, that's great. Now yeah. I'm with you yeah, on that. I had to develop them. Yeah. And now, obviously, red shirts just don't, they're just not as prominent. I mean, they are, but most guys are trying to get away from the red shirt. Oh, and yeah. Plus, you dangled. trying to stay away from the and red shirt. And with the portal. And you, dang- yeah, exactly. and you dangled that carrot of the four games. Well, Coach, why can't I play in one game? Why can't I play in two games? Yeah, I love that rule. That's a great rule. That yeah. is a great rule. Extend it to four games. Uh, for like sure. Cosme, Cosme might be yeah. the last guy that just like, nope, you're not traveling. You're just going red shirt and yeah. get that li- extra lift in every week and just yep. hang out. No, it's, it definitely could be beneficial for the right situation. But to your point, right, about developing guys, and we'll switch gears here in a sec, those practice squad guys, uh, you know, you think about the guys at Texas that have been successful undrafted free agents that spent a year on the practice squad. Malcolm Brown was a practice squad guy. Trey Hopkins was a practice squad guy. Adrian Phillips bounced back and forth between the practice squad and the active roster. Mm-hmm. Marcus Johnson did the same thing. That's yeah. So yeah. they need that time to yeah. develop. Yeah. And, and then by year two, it's like, oh hey, this guy can play. Because I think also it is a year, and I know that's kind of crazy, but the getting used to the physicality of the NFL. Is mm-hmm. that 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 you know? I mean, another tier of physicality, grown men <laughs> that you're yeah. going up against. It's like that, that like that one good corner you faced at Baylor, or that one good defensive tackle you faced at Oklahoma State. All right, everybody's got one of those now. Every week, now. every guy that. is that guy. <laughs> Every week, that is it. Yeah, you're right. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Uh, all right, we've belabored the point long enough. Let's get to the portal. Uh oh. So as of right now, the only situation that. To my knowledge, so if we can take a sec. Portaling. I don't think the Jade Barron situation has been I've seen, finalized. Okay, I've seen updates on this from some Oregon folks, and they are they are disputing the numbers that are being thrown around about Jade Barron. Um, but I mean, I guess there is some some fire to this smoke about Jade Barron. I just don't know how much substance there is to it. Um. Well, what I do know is that he is – there's a decision he's, that he's he is weighing. Okay. Well, um, but- I, it, it's all going to depend – look, this is going to be settled after we record this podcast because it's, he, compliance has until 11.59 tonight to put him in the portal. If he if he got his name, if he submitted his name s- okay, before, before, May, the, dead, before yes, the deadline on Sunday. I got you. I got you. Okay. They've got 48 hours. All right. Okay. Which gives him 48 hours to say, no, take my name out. I don't want it in there. Okay. I got you. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, it is. <laughs> I saw, you know, your report about uh, the rumors about uh, Xavier Worthy. Xavier Worthy, yeah. Um, I think this is just, uh, people don't like it, but uh, unfortunately, this is the free market now being introduced to college sports. Yeah. And the it's like the pre, the before free agent speculation yeah, of is, where a guy could yeah. go. This is what the free market is all about, and I know people don't like it. <laughs> uh, but by yeah, the way, people Pete, going, Pete Thamel at ESPN reported about an hour ago. Uh, Jordan Addison from Pitt is in the is ex, is expected to appear in the portal, and then everybody the expects him to head to USC, right? Yeah. Or at least that they're the front runner. Mm-hmm. Some would say Texas, to acquire services. Texas will I'm sure Texas, Texas is getting there, but if the you tires, can't get Oshawn Mathis, then some tell me you ain't gonna get Jordan Addison. That's All right, well, you just luckily say, like, well, you no. just had Brandon the money Marianne. that's being thrown around now. I'm just saying, if, if he's going to USC, is and it's because of name, image, likes, opportunity, but also because of Lincoln freaking Riley. 
all right, and have that stamp on you as a player because that helps you in the NFL, all right, and to play with Caleb Williams, somebody he's a childhood friend with, all those things, all right, I'm just saying, if you, and we had, by the way, O'Shea Mathis was from Texas, right, he was from Maynard, right here in Central Texas, Uh, his former coach who recruited him and he played under was also here in Texas, so also a lot of advantages there too, so I'm not saying Texas couldn't get in there and steal him the way Nebraska would have and, and basically an out, an outbid Texas in name, image, and likeness. But I am saying that if it is about, um, you know, the bag, all right, and the cash, well, I don't know if Texas is going to bid outbid USC for Jordan Addison right now. Let me say this on the NIL. Related to the O'Shawn Mathis thing, and before I get into that, like anybody complaining about tampering, just stop. <laughs> we You know what's happening now. And, and it, it's... I heard Feinbaum say this, and I can't believe I'm going to say this. I agree with Feinbaum on something. If you want to charge somebody, if Pat Narduzzi wants to charge USC with tampering with Jordan Addison, who's he going to tell? Who's he going to report USC to? Because no the NCAA has already made it very clear. When it comes to the NIL, they're not doing anything. They have nothing to do with it. They do have a tampering rule on the books, but as we know, the NCAA doesn't have an investigative arm. They don't have yeah. subpoena NCAA power? NCAA doesn't investigate NCAA rule violations. They rely on people and rely on schools themselves to self-report, and they rely on the media to, you know, to, to obviously, you know, reveal these stories and then break these stories. So they don't have an investigative arm, and then you can't prove tampering. It's really tough unless you have the screenshots of the text messages from the coach with the player, that kind of stuff. And, and he just, doesn't have that kind he of He said, she said at that point. And if yeah, he did do that, it would be posthumously, you know, punished. It's it's it, Tampering <laughs> like, is the jaywalking and the speeding of NCAA rule violations. Yep. Everybody really has is. done it. They are doing it, and they will do it. And I will make the argument now that if you're not doing it, you're not doing your job. And when you don't, and you, you can don't. make that argument now. That's how widespread it is. That if you're not, if you're not tampering to a certain extent, you're not doing your job because everybody's doing it. Yeah. Sorry. What the and what? what? <laughs> these ahead, kids man. are just talking about their, you know, whatever situation's gonna fit them best. Like if you're making a big decision to go across the country somewhere else, yeah, it makes sense to ask some questions to figure out what's gonna be the best fit for you. Well, Jordan Addison is plausible too. Like Kenny Pickett's gone. Yeah. Brennan Marion's gone. He's here. What? Why? And, he, and he's and the portal and one the, the portal and one time transfer has now given student athletes, which I've always said they should have freedom of movement. Coaches have it. Why shouldn't Why shouldn't players have it? And then you have the right to make money. So why not go make money while you're but doing it in your last year in what is supposed to be your formative years? Like in the college is the time that every other college kid's not negatively spoken about or punished for trying to further advance themselves for their future. Here's where what boils down to me on, on NIL. Related to the O'Shawn Mathis thing. I've seen a lot of people that I consider smart people saying a lot of dumb stuff on this. And I think you've really got to look beneath the surface. Like, yeah, you can say Texas got outbid by Nebraska because Honestly, what the Texas, what the Texas sources have told us, and us, me and Horns twenty four seven, and and no, I'll say this: nobody has come out and explicitly said this. But short of a collect, my me reading the tea leaves and piecing everything together is short of a collective coming forward to O'Shawn Mathis and just giving him a blank check and saying, "What's the number? <laughs> What's the number?" The bag. I, I don't know what else they could have done. 
Because think about this, and we don't know the exact number. That's the other thing with, the, with these Nobody NIL knows deals. The Nobody knows the exact number. And it's not disclosed, so you'll never right. know. <laughs> but everybody on the Oshawn Mathis deal, we're going off $620,000 is the number that's been thrown out. That's been the number that's been widely. Now, could that be complete BS? Maybe. I don't know. But let's just, hypothetically, let's just say that it's it's legit. Okay, It's not like somebody from Nebraska or affiliated with their NIL program, their NIL collectives. It's not like somebody got on a plane, got off an executive airport over on 130, drove down to Manor, and just dropped bags totaling 600 large on Oshawn Mathis's front door in Manor. Okay? <laughs> you're factoring in housing. Mm-hmm. You're factoring in whatever vehicle there is. There's all kinds of stuff. So part Never of that is, to me, squad. and you guys, tell, you guys tell me if I'm way overthinking this. Part of the reason why I said, and I, I'm all over the place right now, part of the reason was that I've seen a lot of people say dumb stuff. People are like, well, Texas has LHN money. They got the richest athletic department in the country. <laughs> that isn't the same That's money. not the same as having NIL money. Yeah, the name image like it's got nothing to do with how rich your athletic department is. Exactly. Your it's athletic department has nothing party, to do with it. Yeah, see third-party collectives and what they can do with but, names but like that. But let's take that, let's, let's that $600,000 value, right? Mm-hmm. Rod, anybody that has real estate, in this part of the country, you'd agree with me, $600,000 probably goes a lot further in Lincoln, Nebraska than it does in Austin, Texas. So if you're part of this NIL collective and you're looking at it saying, okay, it's let's say it's 600000 that Oshan's got for that exact same setup at Texas, what if it's 800000 What if it's nine hundred? What if it's a million dollars? Yeah, you can't get Quinn Ewers money. And you ain't quitting yours, Oshawa. Because, because th- and think about this too. This is the other part. This is the other part I haven't heard anybody talk about. It's a sliding scale. The the folks, the folks that have put up money for these NIL collectives, big money donors, BMD, all the horns with hearts or things like that that you've heard of. They didn't get rich. They didn't make their money by just throwing money around and spending it frivolously. There are business decisions that have to be made. Mm-hmm. And Rod, you have to ask yourself. Okay, let's say to get Oshawa Mathis. The value of that NIL deal would have had to be eight hundred thousand dollars, which is reportedly what Xavier Worthy's is after what he was reportedly offered by a school that Texas had to match. So you got a race. So I can't believe we're actually talking about this because this is a wild time we're living. Got a race. Right now. Awesome. Um, good yeah, for him. It's called leverage. But it, <laughs> you're going to invest that much money in Xavier Worthy, and you know there's money being invested. Like, Quid Ewers didn't come to Texas just because he likes Sark and thinks he's a swell guy yeah. and wanted to be a Texas. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, and, he, and we know, he left look, school early for the money yeah. because know, he couldn't be paid yeah. when he was in Texas high school. And you go down the roster, man, like, you know Bijan's getting taken care of. Oh, he's getting taken You know DeMarvin Overshone's getting taken mm-hmm. care of. So you got to ask yourself, these guys have a business decision to make is let's say whatever that figure was to equal out the value of the Nebraska deal, is it worth it for a guy that's going to be here for one season? Do you have a salary cap? No. I would imagine. Well, <laughs> well I'm, you're speaking like it's a salary cap. No. And I agree with you about the people who don't have, who say they don't just throw if money it's, around. If it's my money, it's a salary cap. If the big money donors are saying they want to be the name, image, and likeness capital of college sports, and I've heard that from big money donors, if that is the case – you can't allow AM right down the road to weaponize name image likeness better than you, which they have. You can't allow Nebraska to outbid you on a defensive end when you've had the worst defensive end defense, the worst edge defense in what, 50 years on we've, the 40 acres? We've gone you over need the them really badly. You need them worse than Nebraska need them. They already got edge guys. And you need them more than him. So my point is this let's just slow down 
on we gonna dominate name, image, and life. It's gonna change. It's gonna change the game for Texas. Right now, it just seems like Texas is gonna play the game, but I don't know if you are gonna change the game. Yeah, because like Casey right Thompson, just, right now you just playing the game, and that's fine. That's fine. But you're not going. You, I thought I thought Texas was trying to dominate name, image, and likeness era. I, I was under the impression that no, 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 no. We've we, name, image, and likeness allows the boosters and the donors now to take control of the program yes. for real. Yes, for real. Not on the table. Party. Not on the table. No, no, no. I'm talking about above board. This will be our programming. We will go out and purchase all the best athletes. Period. All right. We'll get the difference makers. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not saying this, but don't hate the play, hate the game. That's the game now. So I'm just saying, obviously, we're not doing that. No, Casey we're Thompson not, not said there we weren't. Because like I said, AM, they I think we can all agree they've weaponized names like this better than Texas. I'm not saying anything that's not true or fact. And you just lost a bidding war for a position of knee. Arguably right behind quarterback. I don't think you need any other position no, more I don't, than I don't you doubt, need I don't, that position. I, I wouldn't debate and that. And you just lost a bidding war to Nebraska. Now, shout out to Casey Thompson because we all scoffed at him when he nah. said, oh, they're up here making six figures. Oh, everybody up here getting it. Everybody up here getting the bag. Everybody got apartments and cars. It wasn't like that for him, him at Texas. That's what he said. Turns out, I'm not saying that he was right, but we shouldn't have scoffed at him. No, big we fish slow fun. They what? got some money and they want to spend it. So and I just think that's the that's the frustration with Longhorn fans that they've been hearing that name, image, and likeness for Texas is about to be. You know, it reminds me of the Longhorn Network talk. Game mm-hmm. changer. This will revolutionize sports as we know it. No one will be able to keep up with the University of Texas. Now they have their own network. It'll be like the 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 Longhorn reality TV. It's gonna be unbelievable. It's gonna be entertaining. They're gonna be able to recruit like nobody's business. And turns out it was like a freaking it was a fart. It's an, it an albatross. It's an albatross. It was I mean, a fart in the wind. It really didn't do anything. It's an albatross. It, yeah, it, it, didn't give, it didn't give you some huge seismic advantage. As a matter of fact, there's some people that argue maybe it puts you at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So my point is this, yeah. with name, image, and likeness, I guess the excitement of trying, basically saying that Texas is going to be the marquee institution in taking advantage and maximizing names and likeness is probably not true right now. Yeah, and I think that a lot of it is— They're not going to be the marquee university. They're going to be up there just because Texas got a lot of money and resources. But, I mean, let's—like I said, right, not right now. You get—A&M is doing their thing, and like I said, you got out In real time— yeah, like Well, hold we, on. Well, hold on, man. Hold on. But I'll say that too, Rod. Like, people are like, oh, Texas has money. Yeah. O- Oregon's got Phil Knight money. Like, there's a lot of schools across the yeah, country right, but you've been that have a about lot of money. money for a long time, huh, Jeff. How they've been bragging about I, I this know, money I know. for a long time, and now the rules have changed. Where you can put the money on the table and go make it rain. Let, go make it rain. Well, let me say and this too. Phil Knight is Phil Knight is one of the only sugar daddies for Oregon. Apparently, you're supposed to have most sugar daddies in any university in the country. I don't think. I don't think it's a situation. Uh, and this is, look, this is not inside information. This is just me stating my personal opinion on the matter. I don't think it's a it's a matter of not having enough money. I don't think it's a matter of the boosters not being aligned. I don't think it's a matter of Sark not wanting to play the game. I think there I didn't is. Say any of those things. No, I didn't say you did. Okay. I didn't say you did. I didn't say you did. Um, and I'm not directing this to you. I'm talking just in general. So sorry. If he said he's hearing from message that. board people. Um <laughs> I, I, there's a disconnect somewhere. I do wonder, like, well, look, I'm not saying anything out of turn here. Like, people will tell you that if coached at Texas, like the Texas Compliance Department is unlike any other compliance department in the country in terms of making sure things are done the right way. Which can Almost cause to, things to take longer. To a fault at times, to the detriment of the school. I've heard this. So yeah. I wonder is, I, I do wonder, is part of that, is, it, is part of it 
is it part of it a compliance issue? Number one, and number two, I still think while while I do think that in terms of getting Texas ready, getting this athletic department, this football program specifically, in the kind of mindset it needs to be to go into the SEC, I think Chris Del Conte understands that. I think Jay Hartzell understands that, and I think Kevin Eltif. I think all three of those guys understand what that move entails. But I still think, Rod, and I could be wrong, but I still think part of maybe why Texas hasn't gone all in on NIL, part of the reason is, too, don't let me forget this point, but part of the reason is, too, like, it's easy for everybody to talk about how the money should be spent when it's not your money. That I agree with. So so that's a big part of it, too. It ain't my money. (laughs) But I also wonder. (laughs) I ain't got the money. are Are some of the high rollers at Texas, and I'm not naming names, I'm just speaking in general again, are there some high rollers at Texas that still want this athletic department in this football program to try to operate like Stanford Monday through Friday and operate like Alabama on Saturday? Well, it's not going to happen because you can't. Yeah, well, you go to the SEC now, so you can't do that. You can't. Well, it's not going to happen that. that way. And yeah. it's you have to I, drop that out. That's what I'm saying. You got three. You got three people that yeah. clearly understand what the deal is. Yeah. They need to make everybody else understand. Look, this is the league we're going into. This is the way of life in that league. Yeah, you need to get your head right for it, pretty much, and, and make sure you can stomach it. Get yeah, it exactly. and I, get it implemented immediately, because I think that could be a big part. Because we've heard of like the horns I, I, with heart. We've heard of Texas the is, is a, pancake is pain, factory, yeah. and I think a big aspect may be because like if you're talking about the compliance and then talking about getting these boosters to get legit money and making sure that you know all, everything mm. checks out going between the two. Compliance is afraid of that one Nevin Shapiro guy or somebody that you don't want to go and be have one of your boosters end up being somebody like what brought down Miami the second time with that Nevin Shapiro guy where it's dirty bad money because like you can have it technically be this funneling through but if you haven't vetted necessarily who is running all these third party entities and then that comes back on you it could open up a can of worms that a compliance office is there to focus on so I could see this maybe taking some time to get all of these third-party entities vetted where maybe at other schools and other situations you aren't necessarily having the heaviest of vetting processes and they're just letting your Sherwood blunts or whatever. Oh, yeah, come on over. Like, you can start your third-party entity. And, Let's go. And, part and of that could too. be a thing that's making Texas track because, yeah, Texas shouldn't be behind Nebraska in this area or field. There shouldn't be this hard of a, you know, long of time to take and make these things happen like, immediately. It's stuff like... How long did it take the university? Like I remember Roshan Johnson, a couple of the guys tweeting this last summer when NIL went in, when the law went into effect, mm-hmm. and they could get like their own merchandising deals. They couldn't use the color burnt orange or the logo, or the logo because At it was tra- it was trademarked. Yeah. How long did it take for stuff like that? So it's compliance, and to some extent, like it's the it's the old guard within the athletic department. Like, hey, if you if you want to maximize this and really help your student athletes, you got to let go a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's why these third-party things, it's like, up. Oh, once you have a third-party, they're detached from us. Just got to view it that way as detached from us. Yeah, Go they, from there. They, I understand because I think the compliance departments are overrun now. They just, first of all, they're trying to deal with a situation, a phenomenon, name is like this, and there's no playbook for it. It's added mm-hmm. to so their normal they, they jobs really, already. Yeah, they really have. There is no precedent <clears throat> for how to deal with name is like this. So they're doing it on the fly. It's like the government yeah. dealing with the pandemic. 
Like yeah, it's learning. It was added, it's learning as they go. And what happened? What happened? We they, there were a lot of things that were said at the beginning that weren't true, Growing and then pains. they went back and forth on a lot of things because they were learning on the fly. Yeah. Same thing with names. Like so, I get the compliance department being a little bit overrun. Again, I'm not saying it is compliance. I'm just throwing no, that no, out there. That's as a, a, it's as a, a great. That's a great theory to throw out there. Um, and I and I, like I said, I'm backing up. Uh, you know that that theory, or at least bringing in some more credence. I think it is a fact that they're de- dealing with something they've never dealt with before, mm-hmm. and they just don't they, like they are literally learning as they go and making mistakes as they go. In addition to all the compliance they did previously. Exactly. So, so in addition to understaffed yes. and, I think that, and, and I think we can agree there's some compliance departments at some schools across the country. Whatever. We ain't y'all's boss. Yeah, I'll do whatever. Texas compliance departments famously ha- have not worked with the athletic department. They have tried their best. Almost, It's almost a healthy checks and balances yeah. to try to create this tension. And again, you talk to some people that have coached there. They'll tell you sometimes they feel like compliance straight. working against yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but they, I think it has been done, to my understanding, purposely, intentionally. They don't yeah. want those two things right. to be incestuous. You don't want yeah. those two things. Corruption can come yeah, from exactly. there. It's like internal affairs at a exactly. cop station yeah. or something. Yeah, so they, they don't want the, you know those two things to be intermingling as much and I totally get that but name is like this era there's a reason the law state laws have been made vague purposefully mm-hmm. uh, and they're made vague so that you can you can get stuff done yeah because yeah. because also you have other schools treating it as the well well let's wait and t- see yeah. if they come to us about this and how you sort of some people ask for forgiveness and some people just go on the front end and just do it and then at the end are the ones that ask for the forgiveness yeah. it's just rod to me it goes back to, like, I, I I just feel like a lot of people just live in this binary black and white world where it either is or isn't. It is right or wrong. It is good or bad. The Texas NIL situation, it can't be both a situation where the Clarkfield Collective and Horns with Heart and all these collectives that have popped up where a lot of people across the country say, hey, Texas has actually organized this as good or better than anybody has. It can't be that. It can't be like an unfair advantage when you're recruiting high school offensive linemen, and yet it can't be you get Oshawn Mathis. Well, they don't have their ass together. They don't know what they're doing. It's yeah. a complete cluster. Like it can't be. It can't be both of those things. No, it shouldn't no. be the extremes. But I, you know, I think the uh, the premature conversation and narrative about Texas dominating the name, image, and likeness era. Slow down. And I think <laughs> that, that's just slow down. Yeah, I just, I just <laughs> uh, think I, I don't we'll play the game. Yeah, I don't like, know if we're like gonna said, change the game. Right I don't now. think it's a it's a money thing, and I don't even think it's a being on the same page thing. I just think this round of portal activity, when you've got programs like Nebraska or USC that haven't won in a while that are desperate to win, which Texas should be in that group too. <laughs> what? <laughs> when you've got some desperate, when you've got desperate folks that, like you said, what I'm NIL, what NIL <laughs> has done, what NIL has done is given boosters the green light to go be rogue, and you can be out front with it now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the like we talked about, man. It's the end. It's the end of prohibition. Like you don't have to be bootleggers and doing things on the side and in the dark. You just go be out front with it. Go be out front, man. and it's giving them the green light, and and people are going to do it. I just wonder if mm. the month. Here's the other thing too, when you talk about okay, how much is too much to play for a pay for a player? Because that's really what we're talking about here. Yeah. What is the market value when there has been no that's market also, before? You know, that's also something you don't know. Nobody knows there the has been values. no market. Yeah, that's a yeah. great point. I don't know what the market value is of an O'Shawn Mathis. I know how much you needed him. <laughs> I know how much you needed him, but I don't know what the and maybe what you value. thought the market value for an Xavier Worthy was. Okay, well. 
We thought it was this, but but clearly it's this. He and, just came to me with a different yeah, offer. Like, and just like a job offer and another one, you know? Yeah, now you just leverage that into getting a raise, which he did. This is the free market, people. I know <laughs> it's un- you guys are uncomfortable with it, and I get it because it's change, and people just hate change. Uh, but the truth is... This is the free market, and I said it when it happened. Name engine like this was going to was going to basically s- sweep through college sports like a category five force of nature, and it was it was going to smash and destroy everything in its path, and it it's on its way. Like it's it's probably going to destroy the current amateurism model as we know it. That combined with the transfer pull and what's going on now. And what everybody's going to do is, you know, pick up the the rubble or sift through the rubble and the and all the you know the damage and try to rebuild the the or at least redefine amateurism and rebuild the model of college sports as we know it. It yeah. needs to be rebuilt. We all know that. Yeah. Uh, and I think the the overcorrection was, you know, um, all right, name and likeness without any regulation or borders, state to state. And the NCAA did that on purpose because they want everybody to go back to the NCAA, tail between our legs, and say, you were right. You were right the whole time. <laughs> Please put some caps on this and regulations on this. Please do it. Now, they had the chance to do that, and they didn't. So I don't think we should allow the NCAA to have that power it's again. Be, no, no, it's no. beyond them. It's I think beyond them point. now. Don't, don't give them yeah. power. Cats out of Let's the bag. Give them power. They, they have given up power. Hell, Mark Emmert stepped down. There's yeah, nobody Emmert, even running it anymore. taken away from and now on a state-to-state level, then maybe – Maybe on a more nationalized federal level, one day we'll get a law. I think we will one day, but uh, don't. I, I don't want to give it back to the NCAA. Somebody say put caps on it. Yeah, you can put caps on it, but don't allow the NCAA to to basically walk it two, three, four steps back. I have an odd feeling that some NCAA, people want. I think NCAA may not ever have another president again. Like Emmert stepped down six days ago, and they have no clue of their direction and even said so. You know, I, I don't think anybody wants the job. I don't yeah, think it's that they can't hire. I don't saying. think anybody wants that job. Everybody's like, no, that job has no future. And that that, job has exactly. No future. And it's impossible. <laughs> and the cat's yeah. out of the bag already, and you, you've already put the cart ahead of the horse. And at this point, yeah. it's just going to be, become these schools pooling together and yeah. trying to find some type of... You had your chance. Everybody looked to you when name and likeness went on the books uh, when California for state's first law and said, all right, name, not NCAA, make a rule and we'll follow the rule. And they did nothing. And they did nothing. And everybody was like, you're going to do nothing? You're going to do nothing? Okay. And now well, the president left at the tail between it's his almost legs. Like, it's almost like he the NCAA nothing. called everybody's bluff. Like, okay, yeah, let's see how much you're willing to spend. Uh, let's see how far you take this. And... You gave rogue boosters a green light? Yeah. I don't want to see rogue boosters. I don't want to sound like I'm talking about SMU stuff, but you gave a group <laughs> of really rich and really powerful people the green light to go be really rich and really go powerful? Go and, and, and Okay. Yeah, and, and, and influence their yeah. favorite teams, decisions, and personnel. Like, yeah, right, if you, if you had an unlimited amount of funds, right, you're Rod Babers, Texas alum, lifetime Longhorn, played in the league. Man. If you have unlimited funds, and somebody went to you and said, Rod, I want to start a collective. I'm gonna need about I'm gonna need about five to six million dollars of your money, but with this collective, we're basically gonna be able to buy whoever we want to help win a conference championship and maybe get into the playoff. Mm-hmm. You probably can't sign fast enough. No, if I had unlimited funds, hell no. If I had talking about Elon Musk money, I probably uh, buy just, the program what, if I had Elon Musk. However, money. I'd you just d- buy it. Yeah, I wish. I'd be like, I'm gonna purchase the program. You're how the much? owner. You're the owner of the Texas yeah, football yeah, program. Yeah, no, seriously, they'd be like, oh, 40 billion done. You this is when I buy Twitter for less than that. You're good.
I wish <laughs> Mac Brown was 20 years younger so he could come back and put all the BBs back in the box, but the NIL box. Yeah. Because that's Mac the type of guy was – t- yeah. t- If you tied these donors together, the ones yeah. that really Great care point. and know and be able to get the good businessmen in the room with them and have, like, somebody mediating these things, it could actually really be – but, like, that takes a lot of focus and it takes a f- an offseason to be able to – Get everybody in the room and iron out this business. But I mean, if te- that's why we thought Texas would be on the forefront, because you thought all these billionaires and they're all businessmen and this is their hobby, what they love. Of course, they're going to do it. But in these other schools and areas, I really think like a place like Lincoln, Nebraska, it is so centralized that like they've actually really been able to maybe put get those guys in the room and get it organized well, I, and go. I, I'll, my closing thought will be this: I don't know about the non-revenue sports how this is going to work out for them. But I feel like by the end of the decade with FBS football and Division One men's basketball, those leagues, will they will basically be their own leagues with a commissioner. And they will have things. It will basically be what forever we thought it was, which is basically minor league systems for the NFL and the NBA, yeah. where you will have – it will basically run like both those leagues have. You will have – uh, NIL caps. You will have, uh, you'll have things like injury reports in season, uh, because hey, the gambling aspect of this too is something that we don't probably talk about enough. Yeah. Uh, you'll have things like injury reports. You'll have certain mm-hmm. obligations that coaches have. Because I tell you what, Rod, if they don't, the the main thing I'm worried about in this, you're going to have a lot of really good coaches, a lot of really good support staff people, a lot of really good people in your player personnel department that are either going to get out of the collegiate game or just get out of the profession altogether. That I Because totally there is too much for them to handle. It is too chaotic. Yeah, it's a great point. What, what, this, what this is running, I know we got to go, what this is reminding me of, remember that scene in The Dark Knight, two faces in a hospital bed, mm-hmm. and the Joker comes in dressed as the nurse, <laughs> and it's talking about, you know, hey, nobody, when everything goes according to plan, even, even if the plan is bad, Nobody bats an eye. Mm. But you injected a little chaos into something, and everybody loses their mind. Mm. To your point, NIL has been the agent of chaos. It is, man. And everybody has lost their minds. Freaking out. And if you don't, I love that the players are getting paid. I've been an advocate for that for a long time. But if you don't get this under control, you're going to have some really good people out of this profession in a hurry. I agree. I just don't see it happening anytime soon. The only thing that can get it under control now because we are so far along, is federal name, image, and likeness legislation. You you can change states' laws, but right now I think the states' law, they, I think they own some bigger things. <laughs> they own yeah. something else, yeah. all right? Um, and NCAA, I don't believe they're going to touch it. Right now they don't have a president. They're not going to touch it right now. I think they're waiting on it to fester even more. They want it to get to be really bad so that everybody goes, we were wrong. They shouldn't. Have, we should have never implemented name, image, and likeness. So, I think at this point, you got a couple more years of this before yeah. you get it under control. Yeah, I think that's where, like, it's going to be the SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, or somebody like that. Yep. That's going to be the guy that is in charge of everything. Great you point. know, it's going to come down to those mega conferences. Like, if we think the SEC's one now or after Texas always... OU comes, like, it's going to end up being, like, that centralized big schools in probably one or two conferences and their conference leaders running it all. But he still, he can't trump states' laws. Nope. 
But you guys are telling realize no, don't give a damn about these these little commissioners of their yeah. conferences and your no. your school athletic director. Nobody gives a damn about those guys. This is a state law no, now. You said federal. So the only yeah. thing that can trump that state law is federal legislation. So we are here in the yeah. wild, wild west. For a while, unless the NCAA decides, you know what, we finally got a backbone. We have gonna we're gonna put out their in NIL rules, but I doubt they do it. They're no, not they doing it right so, now. I think it's so way beyond their yeah. reach now, Rod. So unless Greg Sankey would have to now unite all of the power brokers in college football, what he can do is gonna have most of them in his conference in a couple of years. Take it to Congress, but also he's got to take it to Congress. He got to yeah. take it to Capitol Hill. No, no, you got to take it to Capitol well, Hill. No, what I'm laughing whole, about is yeah. I think his membership right now is like, Greg, we're, we're cool with the way it is right exactly. now. Exactly. Like everybody, everybody, everybody's like, no, no, we like it like this. This is, they're very vague. It, it, matter of fact, it's almost unenforceable. Yeah. It's so damn vague. It's like the old it, internet. Yeah, they left it loopholes all over the place, yeah. and that's the way they like it. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we got to go. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM, 1260. Streaming on that Horn app at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod be on Ball Don't Lie with Mike Harge each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Seamus Buck. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. Thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are on the Longhorn Blitz Sound. Page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. That's Horns 247, no dashes, no slashes. Hit that follow button. Get every episode of Longhorn Blitz, State of Recruiting, and the flagship when they drop. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.